Thanks for taking some time to listen to this message on the Elevate Church podcast. We believe that God will speak to you wherever you are. Now, let's prepare our hearts and hear what God has for us today. Hey, well, welcome everyone. Who's glad to be in church today? Come on. It's good to see your faces. It's good to be here gathering in person. And it's good to have you guys joining us online at home too. We know that we are in this strange season in our life. And so we're gathering together. And we're not calling this like a grand reopening of church. We're just excited that we get the opportunity to come together and worship God. So it doesn't matter if you're here or if you're at home. I would just encourage you to, to lean in today into the opportunity that we have in front of us, especially especially as we kick off a new series. And we have a lot of families in the room. We're inviting our our children to be a part of our worship gatherings uh, for a little while. We'll see how long, you know, this lasts in this season. But because of that, I'm starting a series called Family Vacation. And we're going to talk about one of the most important institutions that God ever established, and that is the family and the family unit. We're going to cover things like values. We're going to cover things like, like time and schedules and even technology and how we navigate you know, technology with our families. And it's going to be a lot of fun. And so I, I encourage you to be here for every single week of this series. Here's the challenge, though. And when talking about the families, there are some of you that might say, Colby, well, I'm not a part of a family. I would disagree with that. I think we're all a part of of a broader family that God has us as a part of his family. But it might be that your family is not present. It might be that your family is scattered all over the place. And so I spend a lot of time coming up with a message that I think will impact and benefit every single one of us. So whether you're a part of a family or not, or whether you don't want the family that you have, that might be the case. I don't know. This message, I promise, is for you. You are someone's mother. You are someone's daughter or sister or brother. We all have a family. And so I want you to jot this down as we kick this off. And that is families are awesome, but never on accident. How many of you know it takes intentionality? It takes a lot of time and work and effort. Families can be awesome, but not on accident. And at one point, right, it seems like family can be a great source of pain and struggle, but on the other hand, they can be a source of great, of great strength and of great joy in our lives. Now, there are so many things that are working against the family today. And I'm not going to detail out the laundry list of, of forces that are against the family. Uh, suffice it to say, there are cultural forces. There are, um, you know, social forces. There are spiritual forces against the family. There's COVID forces. Come on, somebody. Working against the family. And so I'm not going to list out everything. But what I hope to do in this series, and today especially, is share some things that I think you can only learn in a family. That, that must be grown in your family. I'm calling this message Homegrown. If you want to jot down a title, Homegrown. And I'm going to tell you why in a moment that we're going to talk about, about growing. Because God wants your family to flourish. I don't know if you realize that or not. But he wants you to have a strong, growing, flourishing family. And I think I can talk about this because I, I feel like I'm qualified. I have four boys. Here's my family up here. Um, there's my beautiful wife, Kristen. And then, of course, Wade, Jake, Park, and Gray. He's the little guy. Uh, and I have a child in every uh, school level. So Park is in elementary school. Jake is in middle school. Wade is in high school. And Gray, uh, we're just trying to keep him alive. All right, He's just a little crazy. 
But I feel like I'm a little qualified, not just because of my family and my boys and the ages they are, but I also have you. And I have years of pastoring and leading families of all shapes and all sizes and all situations. And so I feel like I have a word for us today that's going to help you and encourage you is just this during this COVID season that Kristen decided she wanted to plant a garden. And so we have a, a raised garden bed and she's planting some vegetables and strawberries and things uh, out in our garden. And her and Gray were out inspecting the garden the other day and looking at the growth. And so she's pointing out all the different things. She's pointing out, there's the broccoli, there's the celery. And then Gray's like, okay, where's the gotta be's? And she's like, what are you talking about, gotta be's? He's like, the gotta be's, the gotta be's. Like, I don't understand what you're talking about. Gray's getting frustrated. Or he's like, the gotta be's, where are the gotta be's? And she's like, Gray, you're going to have to help me out. I have no idea what you're talking about. He's like, you know, the gotta be's. Broccoli, celery, gotta be's, right? Veggie tails. Like, hashtag pastor kid right there. He's just like, he had no idea. But we're out there, and she was looking at the garden, and I think there are some things in your family that you must grow. And so I want to cover seven different things. And in fact, here's what the Bible says in Proverbs 14, 11. The house of the wicked will be destroyed, but the tent or the home or the house of the upright will flourish. Psalm 115 says, may the Lord cause you to flourish, both you and your children. Psalm 92, the righteous will flourish like a palm tree. They will grow like a cedar of Lebanon planted in the house of the Lord. They will flourish in the courts of our God. By the way, you're, you're doing some planting right now. Did you know that? By coming to church, by gathering, by gathering at home online, you are planting seeds Right, that are, are, are focusing on, on what God wants to do to cause you to flourish. He says they will still bear fruit in old age. They will stay fresh and green. That's the goal. God wants your family to flourish. God wants your family to produce fruit for generation after generation after generation. And here's what I want you to jot down. This is how I want to say it today. That growing is ongoing. It's not a one-time deal. It's not just for your children, mom and dad. It's for you. Like if you're not growing, you're, you're boring. You should constantly be growing. God wants us all to grow. And as parents, it is our responsibility to, to create environments to where our children can grow and flourish and discover the calling and the gifts that God has, has given them and placed on their lives. And again, not just kids. This is for mom and dad too. That we should all be growing. God's desire is that our family will flourish. So how do, we, how do we grow? Well, God details it out for us. Uh, take a look, Luke 2.52. It says this, that Jesus, this is how he grew. He grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and people. Right here, God details out for us four different ways that we are to grow in our lives. One, he says wisdom. That's intellectual growth. We should be constantly growing intellectually. Stature, that's our physical growth. In favor with God, that's our spiritual growth, and that's a lot of what you are doing today. You're pouring into that. In favor with people, that's our social growth. And so every single person should be growing physically, mentally, spiritually, socially, every single one of us. In fact, I'll say it this way. A year from now, you should look different than you do today. You should. 
You should look different. You should know more. You should be uh, feel different. You should relate to people different. Like you should not look the same that you look today a year from now. You should be more loving. You should be more patient. You should be more kind. You should be bearing the fruits of the Spirit in your life. Uh, are you closer to God today than you were last year? Do you look different? Growing is ongoing. And because of that, I'm going to give you seven things that I think you need to grow in your family. And I would argue that many problems that we face as adults are because we didn't learn these growing up. In fact, if you don't learn these early on as a child, it's not that you can't learn them later on, but I do believe that it becomes more and more difficult the older that you get. Seven things that you have to grow in your family garden in order for you to flourish. The first thing is gotta bees. No, I'm just kidding. It's not gotta bees, but it's a flower. In fact, these are all going to be flowers. Just so you know, I know you're thinking, Colby, that's super fruity. Listen, I'm not trying to turn in my man card today. I'm just telling you, it just worked out that way. So I did a lot of studying about flowers because, you know, maybe you're planting flowers in your garden. So I'm going to give you seven flowers that you need to grow. And the reason why they're flowers is because, I don't know if you know this, but flowers have like a language all of their own. You give flowers for a certain occasion. You give flowers uh, to mean something specific. And so I want to give you seven of them that you must be growing. Are you with me? You guys ready? You a little quiet today? Is that all right? We're going to wake up some? All right, good. All right, here we go. The first flower, write it down, is the sunflower. Come on, the sunflower is a fun flower. And this represents the ability to have fun. Can I tell you something? In your family, you better have fun. You better learn how to grow fun. You better take, you know, little trips here or there, little day trips. I'm not talking about spending a lot of money. I'm just saying you have to learn how to have fun. In fact, you need to fight to keep the fun in your family. And this might be uh, seem insignificant. This might seem like a small thing. But can I tell you what? This is a missing ingredient in so many families or in so many marriages if you don't have little ones. This is a missing ingredient. You just have to have fun because all too often we are too tired. We are too busy. Maybe we're too negative. Maybe we are too worn out. And it seems like we come home and it's just, it's just nobody's having any fun. Nobody wants to come home to that. In fact, the average family is all work and no play. The average family, it can seem like every family meeting is about the schedule. It's about, you know, the activities that have to happen. It can, it can seem that way. And I understand that. Like, I have four boys, so I get it. Like, soccer practice here and there and friends here and there. So I, I, I understand that. But let me just tell you something. Your family is not a boot camp, and you are not the drill sergeant, mom or dad. Your family is not a business, and you're not the CEO. Your family's not a laboratory, and you're the mad scientist. Like, let's put a little of this in there and a little of that in there and figure out if we can't get the perfect child. It doesn't work that way. There are no perfect children. There are no perfect parents. So you better grow some fun. Are you with me? You better learn to have fun in your family. And by the way, God tells us to. Solomon, the, the wisest man who ever walked the earth next to Jesus, God asked him, what do you want? And he said, I want wisdom. And God said, that's a, that's a great choice. And so in his wisdom, he wrote Ecclesiastes. And Ecclesiastes 8.15 says this. So I recommend having, what's that word? Fun. He says, you better have fun. Because there's nothing better for people in this world than to eat, drink, 
and enjoy life. Come on, somebody. Like, you need to do that with your family. That way you're going to experience some happiness along with the hard work that God gives you under the sun. You better grow some fun, and a sunflower is a fun flower. In fact, we know this. Like, we intuitively know this, that, that play is essential for our growth and development. How many of you remember that thing that you used to send your kids to, and they got on a bus, it's called school. Does anybody remember school? That was a long, long time ago, right? But it's essential for our development because play at school recess was not just an opportunity for teachers to take a break, you know, and keep them from pulling their hair out. Recess was critical in the development of children's cognitive thinking, creative thinking, problem solving. Like, so we get this, that it's important for us to, to have fun. First Timothy 6.17 says, God generously gives us everything for our, what? Enjoyment. Enjoyment. God's desire is not that you walk through life simply enduring it, but that you enjoy it, that you have fun along the way. And let me just say, if you're too busy to enjoy life, then you're too busy. Like something's got to change. Something has to give. You need to be growing fun. I'll hear people push back on this, and they'll say, well, Colby, I can't do that, or, or I'll have fun when. And you can fill in the blank when your win is. I'll have fun when, you know, I have more time. That's what a lot of people say. I'll have fun when I have that job. Or I'll have fun more fun when I make more money. I'll have fun when this happens. Well, James 4 says, those of you that say today or tomorrow we're going to do this or that. We're going to go to this place or that place. We'll be there for a year. Maybe we'll do business there. We'll make more money there. How do you even know what your life will be like? For your life is a fog. It's here for a little while, and then it's gone. Those of you that are waiting for when to come, it's not coming. And you're a fool if you think you know what tomorrow holds. So let me just urge you this. Plan for tomorrow, but party today. Are you with me? Come on, plan for tomorrow, but make sure that you're partying and you're having some fun Today, 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 in your family, flourishing families are fun. They know how to have fun, and the sunflower represents our ability to grow that fun. And by the way, typically in a marriage, you have two different people. Uh, in a husband and a wife, you either have the, the rule keeper or the funmeister, and you know who is who, right? Come on, kids, right now, point to who's the rule keeper in the house. You do it online, too. Point to whoever's the rule keeper. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Who's the funmeister? Point to the funmeister. There you go. Sorry, it's just the way it is. Like, everybody has it, and you need to have both in a house. But let me tell you something. Your kids will not likely remember the things that you said to them early on, but they will remember the way you made them feel. Hey, that's great advice for a boss. That's great advice for anyone in leadership. That's great advice for an employee. Like, you're not going to remember a lot of what's said, but you'll remember the way something made you feel. My kids don't remember what I told them three days ago, three minutes ago. Come on, sometimes. But they do remember the way I made them feel in those valuable moments when we were able to capitalize and have fun together. So have fun, have fun, have fun. In fact, let me drill down on this a little further. Solomon Get specific about the ways we are to have fun. In verse, uh, uh, in chapter nine, verse nine, he says, "Enjoy life with your wife, whom you love. Enjoy life with your wife." Dads, husbands, fathers, listen up. 
One of the greatest things that you can do in your family, one of the greatest ways to provide stability and peace in the home is to learn to enjoy life with your wife. Like your kids need to see that. Your kids need to see you having a, a great time with mom. Mom, your kids need to see you having a, a great time with, with dad. It provides great stability in the home. And whenever couples say things like, well, we can't afford to go out and, uh, you know, have a, you know, night out and uh, pay a sitter and all that. Can I tell you something? That is a huge mistake. It's a big mistake to not take time to enjoy life with your spouse. I'm not saying you got to spend a lot of money, but a date night could simply be uh, putting the kids to bed on time, right? Or, or sending them to the room. Like, this is what we often do. Kristen and I will say, boys, like, it's time for you to go upstairs. It's mommy and daddy time. And they'll whine and they'll cry. They're like, why, why do you get to stay up late and we have to go to bed? And I'll be like, because in 18 years, God willing, you won't be here anymore, but your mama will. So good night. You know, sleep tight, right? Because I need that time. And they need to see me valuing that time with my, my wife. And also tell them, if you disobey and you come down these stairs, you might see something that you can't unsee. And it might, you know, just wreck you for a while. So just saying, go to bed. Parents, you are the greatest example of relationships in the home. And so your kids need to see that. And if all your children ever see is you passing like ships in the night, then they'll grow up thinking, well, that's what a marriage is. That's not what a marriage is. Enjoy life with your wife, right? Enjoy life with your husband. Are you with me? Like family's supposed to be a party. You're supposed to party together with your, your spouse. Here's the next flower that you have to grow, write it down. And that is the mum, the chrysanthemum. Now the chrysanthemums were given to represent honesty, transparency. That's what they represent. And this is the ability that we need to grow on our houses to be able to deal with how we feel. In other words, to be able to deal with our feelings. How do we handle emotions? How do we name our emotions? How do we identify emotions? If you don't learn to do this in your family, you're going to walk through life emotionally disabled because you're going to have to learn this the hard way. What's the right way to deal with my anger? What's the right way to deal with frustration? And you need to be able to name it. A lot of times, little, when you're growing up, you don't know the words to use. Just, we're always telling Gray, you know, just use your words, use your words. Instead of like, you know, fussing and just sort of, oh, just whatever. It's like, Gray, just use your words. You need to learn how to name it and deal with it. In fact, I submit many marriages don't make it the long haul because one or both adults never learned this growing up. They didn't learn how to deal with. They didn't learn how to address the emotions that they were feeling in the moment. And parents, if all you ever do is tell your little ones, stop crying, stop crying, suck it up, stop crying. Listen, you're telling them to stuff that emotion down. And can I tell you something? Stuff that we stuff, it comes up later on. And it comes back in all kinds of strange ways. It does not stay buried, does it? It comes up later on in life. And so we're not helping them when we tell them to stuff those emotions, when, when we're just telling them to suck it up, stop crying. I'm not saying there's always a reason to cry. Come on, I have little ones. There's not always a reason to cry. In fact, it used to be that when, uh, when my kids were little and we'd go to the Christian chicken place, you know which one I'm talking about? I don't say it because they're not open today and I don't want to put that in your brain. I don't want you getting mad at me later. But the Christian chicken place, they put pickles on your sandwich and my boys hate pickles. And if they got a sandwich with a pickle on it, they would lose their minds. 
they would start bawling. They don't do it now, all right, but when they were little, and if I just told them, stop crying, stop crying, that's not helpful. But if I say, hey, you know what? You know, it's okay to be disappointed, but the Christian chicken people will make that right. Just go take it back, all right? It's not the end of the world. But a lot of times, if that's all we tell our kids, just stuff it, stuff it, stuff it, don't talk about it, then that's not helping them deal with how they feel. Are you with me? So you got to plant those in your house for them to grow. Here's a, the third one, and that is the purple hyacinth. You better make sure you're planting this in your family because this is all about grace. This is all about forgiveness. In fact, if you ever mess up and you're seeking forgiveness, this is the flower that you send to somebody. The purple hyacinth. It's about grace. It's about, about peace. This is growing in our ability to deal with differences. And you must learn this. This is huge. Because if you don't learn how to handle conflict in your home, if you don't teach how to handle conflict in your home, this will open the door to all kinds of issues later on in life. So parents, this one is solely on you. Your children need to see how you interact. Your children need to see how you honor one another even in your disagreements. Even when you are arguing, the, the married, the, the couples I would see in premarital counseling before marrying them, the ones that would terrify me are the ones that would say things like, well, we've never had a fight before. And he's just perfect and, and she's perfect. And we were made for each other. We're like two unicorns flying over a rainbow. Our love is amazing, right? And I'd be like, first of all, I want to puke. Second of all, I'm not marrying you until you fight until you learn how to fight and fight well, like honoring each other in the process. Parents, you have to learn this skill, how to deal with differences. But unfortunately, most people are one of two flowers when it comes to conflict. You're either a snapdragon or a pansy. That's right. And do you know what? Here's what's interesting. Snapdragons always marry pansies. Pansies always marry snapdragons. Pansies are the ones that they don't want conflict at all. They just go silent. They just get mute. They just clam up. They don't want to deal with it, right? Snapdragons are the ones that do what? Just pop off. They'll let you know they're mad. They just explode everywhere. In fact, married people, you always marry one or the other, the opposite of you right now. Come on, point to the pansy in the relationship. Go ahead and do it. That'll be fun. We'll start some fights later. Okay, back there. That was kind of hiding it right there. That's one. That's one. Right? It's just, it's, it's true. And by the way, neither one of those are godly ways to handle conflict. You, you might say, well, I'm just quiet, I'm meek, I'm mild. No, that's not helping anything, right? You need to be able to address it, name your feelings. You have to learn that. Or exploding, that's not a godly way to handle it, it either. So make sure, make sure you've planted some purple hyacinth in your family garden. Something that would, would give forgiveness and, and peace and grace in the home. Here's the fourth one. I love this one. It's the valerian. It's as cool as it sounds. And this one is uh, representing your able, being able to be prepared for anything. This is all about resilience. So this is the ability to, to deal with defeat. This is a skill that we all have to learn. How to handle adversity, how to deal with defeat. We need to teach our kids how to handle losses in life. Colby, why do we have to do that? Because nobody wins all the time. Are you with me? It's not all I do is win, 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 win. That's not reality. That's not life. Sometimes we, we lose. 
And if we only teach our kids that all you're going to do is win, 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 when they grow up and get to the real world and they, they realize their boss is not handing out participation awards for showing up to work on time, right? Then that's going to be a, a reality check, will it not? And they're going to have to wake up because you don't always win in life. Sometimes you lose. And we need to teach our kids that a loss doesn't mean the end of life. A loss doesn't mean it's, it's game over, right? You, you don't, failure is not losing. Failure is not trying again after a loss. And I think of it this way. I don't think any professional sports team should go into the postseason undefeated. Go into the postseason with, without a loss because a loss teaches you where holes are in the offense. It teaches you where holes are, right, in the, the defense. I don't think an NFL team should go into the playoff season, right, without a loss. Like, you need to learn from your losses. The Cleveland Browns, I mean, they, they take this to the next level, right? They're just, they should know what to do by now. I'm just saying. But I don't think it's good, and here's, here's why. Loss is inevitable in life. And you might as well learn early on, when the stakes aren't quite as high, when you're little, how to deal with losses, rather than learn later, when maybe the stakes are a lot higher in your life. Are you with me? So you have to learn how to handle a loss, how to deal with defeat. And one of the best games that you can play uh, to learn this with your preschoolers is this right here. You know what game that is? Yes. How many of you parents played a lot of shoots and ladders? How many of you parents never want to see another shoot or ladder? Yeah, 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 yeah. Like, shoots and ladders is a great game to play with your preschoolers. You know why? It's a metaphor for life. It's saying that, that sometimes, you know, you roll the dice and you climb the ladder and you're in an elevated position and things are great. But other times, you know, you roll the dice again and you're falling down a shoot. In other words, life is not all ups all the time. Are you with me? Like, sometimes... Right? You're at an elevated position, but don't get too prideful in that position. Don't get too comfortable in that position because the next day you could be sliding down a chute. This is a great game to play with your little ones. In fact, um, this is, I love it because it's a game of chance and no one has the advantage. Your physics degree does not give you an advantage in chutes and ladders. And you can learn some things from this, this game. One is that, you know, life is full of ups and downs. So don't get upset about it. Learn from your losses. It also teaches your little ones how to take turns with grace because I know some adults that don't know how to take turns. Come on, I'm just saying. The main thing it teaches, though, is how to win gracefully and that losing does not have to destroy you. It's not the end of it. And shoots and ladders, by the way, is in the Bible. Check this out. Proverbs 24, 16. It says, even if good people fall seven times, they will get back up. There's shoots and ladders right there. This is saying that even good people, even the best people roll the dice sometimes and it doesn't work out. That sometimes life just, just hits them. Sometimes they stumble. Sometimes they mess up. Falling is not failing, but not getting back up is. So this is teaching resiliency. That's what the valerian does. You better plant some valerians in your homegrown flower garden with your family. This teaches resiliency. This teaches the ability to, to bounce back. It, it, it teaches that, that we have to overcome adversity. Like, am I the only dad that thinks the t-ball the game should have a scoreboard? Come on, right? Because it teaches it's not always winning. That there are challenges that you will face things in life. And, and you need to be able to keep getting back up. In fact, the leaders of the world, 
I don't think are any more intelligent or, or bright. Uh, you know, some of them are. But I think what they have learned is this ability right here to bounce back, to never quit, to never give up. One of the main things that you can teach your little ones in life is to not give up. Here's the, the fifth thing. Don't put this one up here yet. Oh, go ahead and do it anyway. Just don't listen. That's fine. No, I'm just kidding. How many of you remember the, the musical Sound of Music? You ever see that one? You remember the song? Eight of us, eight of one, two, three people. So this is where it came from. In fact, it's a flower that grows high up in the Alps. And so this one you give um, is an indicator that you can withstand harsh conditions. That's what it means. That you can uh, have courage, you have devotion, you have a boldness. And so this one represents your ability to stand for godly values. In harsh conditions, in harsh climates, how many of you know, can we agree that the values the world is pushing are not that great? Can we at least agree on that? Because according to the world, what's valuable is image, that your image matters more than your character, and that's just not true. According to the world, what matters more than anything is how much money you make, and that your success is tied directly to the amount that you make. Uh, according to the world, uh, you know, what they value is everything physical and sex. I want to welcome all the guys that just woke up. Sex, what do you say? What, what? Like, thanks for joining us today, right? Like, according to the world, those are the values that they are, are pushing. And so we better be planting some Edelweiss. Because this is the ability for us to stand on what God's values are. And whether we like it or not, agree with it or not, our children are learning what's valuable through the internet, through their, their, their smartphones, through social media, through all these, these different ways. And I'm not saying the answer to that, by the way, is to hide and isolate and to build a bubble and shrink back from everything in fear. The answer to it is to stand up in faith and to stand on the values that God has given us in his word. Come on, son. Somebody. Are you with me? That's the answer to it. And so you better plant this in your garden. If you want your family to grow, to flourish, like God says, you better make sure you're standing on some godly values. Because today, it's just getting harder and harder. There's all kinds of, of relativism and secularism and, and well, maybe this is truth, maybe this is not true, or what's true for you is true for you, but it's not necessarily true for me. No, no, no. God's word has a lot of absolutes in it. And we need to stand on what his word says. We need to teach our little ones the three big temptations. Um, maybe you know what these are. There are only three, by the way. They are passion, possession, and position. In fact, the only thing good we can say about the devil is he's predictable. He does not have any new tricks up his sleeve. It's the same old, same old. This is what he uses to tempt us. And so we need to make sure we're teaching our little ones about the temptations of passion, possession, and position. The, the Bible describes these as the lust of flesh, lust of eyes, and the pride of life. These all deal with how I feel. These deal with what I have, my possessions, or what I do, my, my position. These are the same temptations that Jesus went through. By the way, when the enemy was, was tempting him, and so we need to learn, and it's our job as parents to teach our kids to recognize these. So they recognize the counterfeit values that the world is pushing. And so we better plant some Edelweiss and learn to stand on 
godly values. Here's one more I want to give you real quick, um, and that is hyssop. Hyssop. It kind of looks like a, a feather duster, and the reason for that is, is this one represents cleanliness. This one represents organization or sacrifice. And I'll, real quick on this one, I would just say this is about growing good habits. Because the things that you repeatedly do in life, that's what you end up becoming. And so in our families, where we spend a lot of our time, the majority of our time, your children are picking up on habits. So make sure that we are raising them up with good habits in their life. I have one more, but I'm not going to give it to you yet. Because I know the question could be, all right, Colby, if, if the goal is for us to flourish, the goal is for us to, to grow these things in our, our gardens, how do we do that well? Like, what are some things that will help to uh, develop? What are some things that will help to, to grow uh, our, our families? I want to give you two quick things that do and two quick things that don't. The two things that do, I'm calling these the growth fertilizers. Write that down. There's some growth fertilizer. There's some things that you can add to your family to make sure that they are growing. And the first one is this. It's example. You need to be the example. Uh, John In John chapter 13, Jesus is washing the disciples' feet. In fact, some of them pushed back and said, no, 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 I, don't do that to me, Lord. You know, I should be doing that to you. And he said, no, I'm washing your feet, and here's why. I want you to do to others what I've done to you. It's through example. Parents, let me tell you something. Long gone are the days where you could say, hey, don't do as I do, do as I say. That doesn't work. Your children don't want to hear a sermon. They want to see a sermon. They want to see it lived out in your life. Instead of telling them, hey, be kind to your sister. Actually, no, it starts with, hey, let's be kind to one another. Are you with me? And the greatest way to, to make sure they're growing in that is through your example. Your children are like mirrors. They're reflecting back to you your behaviors. And so make sure that you're growing an example. And the second way is through conversation. Uh, I think it's Deuteronomy 6, 7, where it says this. And we'll just modernize it a little bit. Hey, parents, you need to share God's commandments with your children. Like when you're road tripping, when you get up in the morning, when you go to bed at night, right? You need to make sure that you are talking about God's word and how it applies to your life. I'm talking about the teachable moments that you encounter. Making sure that you're bringing God into every aspect of your life. So by example and through conversation are the best ways to, to grow these in your family. Here's the ways to kill growth. These are the growth killers. All right, We'll call this the growth roundup for your garden. I'll give you two. There are many, but these are the two I see the most. Criticism and comparison. These will absolutely kill any kind of growth that you're seeing in your family. Let's talk about criticism first. Criticism has never worked. Nagging has never worked. Complaining has never worked. None of those produce long-term, lasting change in your family. You may find some short-time, like immediate changes, but it does not last. It has never been useful to change behavior for the long term because criticism focuses on what you don't want to see happen instead of reinforcing the things that you do want to see happen. You know what I'm talking about? Like, have you ever seen that, that parent at a baseball game that uh, 
the one kid that always throws the bat. You know, he's like throwing the bat, throwing the bat. Sometimes he hits the catcher. Sometimes he hits the umpire. Those are actually really funny videos. You should look those up. But there's generally one or two kids that throw the bat. They can't seem to figure that out. And so the dad's yelling at him, hey, hey, Tommy, don't throw the bat. This time on your way up, you know, to the plate, don't throw the bat. Whatever you do, just don't throw the bat. Don't throw the bat. Don't throw the bat. And so when Tommy gets up to the plate, what do you think he's going to do? Throw the bat. Why? Because that's what's in his mind. I promise you, you will do the wrong thing every time if that's all you're fixated on. If you're so focused on not doing the wrong thing, I promise you, you're going to end up not doing the right thing. And so Tommy throws the bat. Instead, right, tell him a picture of, of what he should do. Reinforce the positive things. Yeah, yeah, but Colby, you know, sometimes criticism helps. It's tough love. It's tough love. I'm going to have tough love. Can I tell you dads that, that want to do the whole tough love thing? Tough love never works either. And again, you might see some, some short-term, immediate response to that. But generally, tough love breaks something internally that shows up like anger and frustration later on in life. I'm just telling you because I've seen it. So it's not about, about tough love. It's not about criticism. Criticism after criticism after criticism. If that's all that they get, at some point in the family, you know, the child's going to go, all right, I give up. I can't please you. I can't do this right. So you think I'm lazy now, mom? Just get wait, wait until, you know, wait. I'll show you lazy. Criticism does not work. It does not work with children. Hey, by the way, it doesn't work with your marriage either. It doesn't work criticizing and nagging. It doesn't work in preaching, right? Who wants to come to that church? In fact, let's, let's go ahead and try it out while we're all here. Hey, church, welcome to Elevate. So good to see you today. I just wanted to tell you one thing, that you were awful this week. You're terrible. I can't believe you. You sinned that much. I can't believe, you know, what you did. Man, I wish you were better. I wish you would try harder. Oh, by the way, Jesus loves you. Hope to see you back next week. Who's coming back next week? Anybody? No. Why? Because it does not work. So your goal should be to point them to something greater. My goal is to point you to something greater, a God who loves you even in the middle of your mistakes, even in the middle of your mess-ups. And so parents, like we need to learn from that as well. Criticism doesn't work. The other thing that doesn't work is comparison. Write that down. Comparison does not work. You know why? Every single person in this room, you are incomparable. There's no one like you. There shouldn't be anyone else like you. God created you uniquely, specifically. It says he knits you together. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. Like, there's no one else like you. You are incomparable. And when you compare to someone else or compare to, to something else, what you're doing is you're discounting and discrediting the fact that God made you the way he wanted to make you. So comparison kills contentment. Comparison robs you of joy in your life. So don't compare. Those are growth killers. Here's the last flower. And I'm going to shut this thing down because it's probably the most important one that I think you need to plant. And that's this right here. It's the tansy. Come on, say tansy. We're almost out of here. Tansy. Not pansy. Tansy. And this is a flower that was given to somebody. And you know what you're saying if you gave this flower to someone is I declare that's what it represents. And so this represents the ability for us to protect our families, to protect a godly home, 
to protect the values, to protect all the other flowers that we are growing, the ability to, to learn to deal with our emotions, to deal with defeat, the ability to learn resiliency and to, and to fight and to get back up and that it's okay to have losses. This is a flower that builds a barrier around them all that says, you know what, I'm going to protect my family. I'm going to protect what God has given me. Well, I'm going to be a good steward. In fact, one more verse, Nehemiah 4.14. Uh, in the Bible, Nehemiah is the guy who ended up rebuilding the wall that had been destroyed in Jerusalem. He got a call from God that, that this is what was on his heart, his burden to reestablish the, the, the city of Jerusalem. And so he, he goes out there, and this is what he tells everybody. He tells them, here's what I want you to do first. I want you to build and repair the part of the wall that's right in front of your house, right in front of your home. I want you to protect your home first. And then he says this. He says, you know what? Remember our God who is great and awesome. And I want you to fight for your families. Fight for your wives. Fight for your daughters. Fight fight for your sons. Fight for your household. If I could encourage you to do anything in this season, I think it has to start here. You better make sure you're fighting to protect your family. So plant this flower in your garden. Are you with me? Are you with me? All right, let's do this. Would you bow your head, close your eyes. I want us to make a commitment today. Before God, in this moment, whether you're here in person gathering or you're at home watching, but let's make a commitment to protect that which, ma which matters most. And God established our families to be a, a, a something that we learn how to build relationships through, something that makes a difference in the world around us. But we can't do it unless we learn to grow these abilities in our life, to plant these, these flowers, to plant these values deep into the hearts of our families so that we can grow and flourish, but make sure that we protect them. Here's the good news in all of this. No matter what you've planted, until this point right here, you can start fresh. We sing that song, God turns graves into gardens and he makes all things new. So we get a fresh start today. We get a fresh start with our families. We get to, to have another shot. His mercy is new for us today at planting seeds that are gonna help grow character. They're gonna help grow children that are, are godly, that love God children that value and stand on God's word instead of what the world says, like we have a chance today to commit to once again growing something, even if what we've planted in the past is dead or dying or has become dormant, that God will take that grave, turn it into a garden for his glory that will flourish. God, I pray for every family in this room. I ask that you would bless them. I ask that you would, would raise them up to, to protect their homes, God, to protect the resources of their children. I pray that you would strengthen marriages. I pray that you would strengthen the homes of, of the single mom or the, the single dad, God, that we can continue to build the family that you've called us to build no matter what situation we find ourselves in today, God, that we would look to you and lean into your word, God, to give us direction for building. And God, I pray that we would flourish, that each household in this room would flourish and would grow, that we would be like a palm planted beside the waters, God, growing and flourishing, remaining strong in the tests that we face in this world today. 
God, that you would strengthen us, that you would give us that ability to withstand the storms that we face in this life. With every head bowed, every eye closed too, there are some of you maybe today here or watching online that you've never turned over control of your family, even of your own life to God. And you should know that God so loved you that he wanted to build a strong relationship with you. And the way he did that was sending his son to die on the cross for you to pay for all your sins. So no matter what you've planted to this point, he can make all things new. The Bible says, if anyone is in Christ, they're a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. So today, maybe for the first time, you invite Jesus into your life to make all things new so that you can flourish as well. If that's you today, you know God is drawing you to him. The way we answer that call is through prayer. Let me lead you in a, a prayer that does that. Jesus today, in fact, I just want to give you some language. You can repeat this prayer. You can say it in your heart or your mind. Jesus, today, I give you my life. I want more of you. Thank you for dying on the cross for my sin so I didn't have to carry it with me. Thank you, God, that I could be planted and rooted in you to grow strong and to flourish. Forgive me of my sin. I repent, and I want you to make all things new in my life. Give me a fresh start and give me a new heart. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for checking out this week's message on the Elevate Church podcast, and we hope you really enjoyed it. If you made a decision to follow Jesus, congratulations. Welcome to the family. We would love to know about it, so please let us know by going to elevatechurch.com yes. There'll be some practical resources that will help you as you start this journey. If you want to support the mission and vision of Elevate Church to help people far from God reach their full potential in Christ, go to elevatechurch.com give. We'll see you soon. Have a great week.